On today's show, the Yankees dropped the finale to the Twins in frustrating fashion, and I will try not to curse when I talk about it. New rules should be coming to MLB in 2023, and we'll let you know what to expect next season when the vote passes this afternoon. Plus, a preview of the extremely important series against the Rays, which begins tonight, and a member of the last Yankees dynasty is being honored tonight. So get ready, because a new Locked on Yankees is coming up next. You are Locked On Yankees, your daily New York Yankees podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Friday, Yankee fans. Welcome to Locked On Yankees, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Stacey Gotsoulias, and I'm joined by my co-host, Abby Mastraco. We'd like to thank you for making Locked On Yankees your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can watch and subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit the thumbs up button to like our videos and the bell so you're notified as soon as our videos go live. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Happy Friday, Abby. <laughs> is it a happy Friday for you, Stacey? You really wanted that sweep. But at the same time, you were also talking about, like, well, four-game sweeps are very difficult, and you felt bad for the Twins. How's your mentality now after the Twins finally got that win? I would have preferred it to be, like, if the Twins won, like, 7-1. Like, if it was out of the Yankees' grasp at the end, but it was right there for the taking and something happened in that bottom of the ninth that made me very angry last night. We're going to talk about that in a moment, but it was just a frustrating game because the Yankees had chances. The twins were really giving them a lot of chances to come back in the game and to pull ahead in the game. And um, the Yankees couldn't capitalize on the twins making those mistakes. But I did see a tweet from someone that said, it's just unbelievable to them how the twins just almost forget how to play baseball when they're facing the Yankees <laughs> and make all these mistakes. And it's just, that's what the frustrating thing was. Because as you said, and as I said yesterday, four game sweeps are hard. I wasn't going to be really angry if they did, because it, it's just a hard thing to do. But the fact that the game was there and they could have pulled it off in the bottom of the ninth and then it didn't happen. That's what's frustrating about it. But good for the Twins. You know, they they won a game. Yay. Good for them. So they were happy about that, I'm sure, because four-game sweeps are embarrassing for the team who gets swept in four games. <laughs> well, Aaron Boone has talked so much about how the Yankees are, like, never out of games. But I feel like that was sort of a trend in the first half of the season before this, like, you know, summer slide that they've been on. Because – they were winning a lot of like one one run games, two run games. Like now there's been some like regression to the mean where some of those games that maybe they probably pulled out earlier in the season, like they're not capitalizing on the same mistakes that they were able to earlier this season. It's right. just not happening. Like something's they're, they're not going to be able to. They're, some of those things were maybe like some of those trends were maybe a little bit unsustainable anyway. Yeah, but it's. I don't know. I mean, I guess we've talked about it since July. This is just sort of like, this is, 
the team's struggling to like find its identity that it had previously. Like right. something's different with the team. We know it. And they're really, they're trying to like regain what they had at the beginning of the season. And I think this loss like sort of illustrates that exactly because th- they were capitalizing on those things. Right. Back right. in May, June. Yeah. And it's funny because they've gone from winning close games to losing a lot of close games. Like a yeah. lot of the games that they lose are one or two runs and it's this the same thing that you just said where a few months ago they would have been able to pull that off and Mm -hmm. I was even thinking last night watching it my thought was well it's the twins they'll probably pull this off and win in the bottom of the ninth if it was any other team I wouldn't have had that feeling but for some reason I was thinking maybe they could do it and then they didn't and my issue is Glaber Torres is at bat. Michael Fulmer got two calls in his favor that should have gone in Glaber Torres's favor. There was one egregiously bad. There was one that was borderline that could have gone either way, but there was one call that was egregiously bad. The ball was never near the plate at any point. Because, you know, sometimes, I mean, it's fast when the balls come in. And you give the umpire the benefit of the doubt if the ball is kind of tailing or doing so. This ball was outside the entire time, and Larry Vanover was like, strike, you know? And that was the moment. I was like, oh, the, nope, he's striking out. I know it. I could feel it. <laughs> I was like, this is where the game changes. This is where they're not going to pull this off. Because if those balls, no, pitches, were called strikes instead of, um, or balls instead of strikes. Glaber would have walked. Yankees would have tied. Would have completely changed the game. And then, of course, he swings through a bad pitch for strike three, <laughs> and he strikes out. And that just changes the complexion of the game. And at that point, I was like, yeah, it's not happening. It's not happening. Um, and that ump scorecard account. Yeah. <sighs> okay, so Vanover. Impactful missed calls. Bottom of the ninth, Fulmer to Torres. 2-0 count, ball is called strike. Bottom of the ninth, Fulmer to Torres. To one count, ball is called strike. So it should have been a walk, and that's just annoying to me, and you can't have that happen in a game. But, as we said, the Yankees had opportunities to pull ahead. They had opportunities opportunities to do things. They couldn't get it done. But you can't – I just – I don't like when games are determined by bad calls by the umpire. That just drives me crazy. So, again, well, if it was a 7-1 loss – would have been fine, but something like this just makes me angry. <laughs> it's interesting that a game was lost on a call like that, considering today MLB is vote the competition committee is voting on new rules, but but they're not voting on any rules that have to do with you know automated strike zones or robot umpires. I like when I looked at that, I I thought like that would be something that maybe I know that they've been testing that just like they've been testing these other rules. And I, I was a little bit surprised to see these three. I guess I wasn't like, surprised to see these three in particular. I just thought maybe there would be something more about officiating, or maybe mm-hmm. that's just because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I work so much in the NHL where there's constant officiating controversies, and Gary Bettman does nothing about them, right. um, and he never will. That's not true. Privately, he uh, he has actually acknowledged that there are some challenges to officiating that he, you know, the league needs to figure out because it's becoming more and more like glaring, like a big glaring problem. And it's sort of, it's preventing, it's 
preventing the game from like truly growing to um, a point where they would like to see it go. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think the same can be true. The same can be said in baseball because baseball forever has been about the human element, you know, and I don't want to take that out of the game. Nobody wants to take that out of the game. Granted, we have taken some of that away when it comes to um, reviews, replays. Every league has reviews and replays now. It's not like, you know, this is anything out of the ordinary. We, the game's got to, like, advance as technology advances. But the, I, I thought there would be something on an automated strike zone. But yeah. that's not happening. The rules that they are, that the competition committee is voting on today in case... Um, you are listeners are not quite up to date on this pitch clock banning the shift and bigger bases. These are all things that have been tested in the minor leagues. Personally, I'm for a pitch clock. Yeah. Yeah. There's the some guys who take way too long. Yeah. The shift. I don't think they should ban the shift. Honestly, it's like a competitive, like, you know, learn how to learn how to throw down a bunt. It's not that big of a deal, but I know people like hate the shift. Bigger bases. I was surprised to see that this. I was this one. I was a little bit surprised about because I know it's been tested. I just didn't know how much had it, it. Like if it was like the test had been sort of like run enough to be able to implement this at the major league level yet. Yeah, I'm all for the pitch clock because there are some guys that take so long between pitches and do things and you're just like I always joke about how that's almost like it could be part of their strategy because they bore the batter so much that yeah. <laughs> they take so long between pitches um, I'm trying to think of oh it was Josh Beckett against who was the other pitcher it was another notoriously like slow working pitcher and you know you're sitting there and you're just like oh my god this game is taking forever and you know, people always talk about how long the games are, and this will be something that um, will stop it. But we'll talk about that more. We'll get more in-depth into these rule changes in segment two. But first... I don't have a great segue into this, guys. I'm just going to go for this. Summer's winding down. The nights are getting longer. But the breeze isn't the only thing that's getting stiff. That's right, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, we all know that confidence can take you far in life. That's especially true in the bedroom, especially when it's time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers. Once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. So no doctor's visits, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Bluechew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. With Blue Chew, men everywhere are excited to see the postman because when your package has arrived, your package has arrived. They always say first impressions are important. What about lasting impressions? It's time to get off the couch and get back to work. Your tool needs an upgrade. Head to bluechew.com. They say there's nothing sexier than confidence. 
Bluetooth can help give you confidence where it counts. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, chew it and do it. We've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code locked on at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com promo locked on to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and for information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring this podcast. Thanks again for making Locked On Yankees your first listen every day. Subscribe now to Locked On Yankees on YouTube podcasts so you get notified when each episode premieres and you get notified when we have to do fun ad reads like that one. I just think the copy really like kudos to those copywriters, man. Like, look, I'm a writer in my everyday life, but I don't know that I could come up with something like that. They are much more creative writers than I am. Yeah. I shouldn't say that. Yeah, out of all the live reads that we do, that's very creative, yes. But you have to be with that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, let's get more in depth into the rules that are going to be... Um, so much better at segues than I am. Implemented. <laughs> okay. You are so much better at that than I am. So, um, the pitch clock, I'm going to read this from, this is from cbssports.com. Um Uh, the article explaining the rules. Okay, so the goal with the pitch clock would be to cut out as much downtime as possible, especially when there aren't runners on base and the pitcher is standing on the mound holding the baseball. It's been tested in the minors for a few years and there haven't been major complaints from anyone about it. And according to the report, the clock will be 30 seconds between hitters. The catcher must be in his box and ready with nine seconds left on the timer while the hitter has to have both feet in the box and be alert to the pitcher within eight seconds of the clock starting. Pitchers can still step off the rubber, which would reset the clock to 20 seconds if there's a base runner and 15 seconds if there isn't, and they're only permitted to do this twice per batter. Now, I will say, when they were kind of testing out keeping the guys in the box, I'm trying to think if it was regular season or spring training. I think it was A-Rod's last year. And he did like a hop and a skip back into the box because he forgot about the pitch clock. And the way he did it, it looked like he was going to get in major trouble. Like he, 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 yeah. like he thought he was going to get into major trouble for not being back in the box. And I just found that so There's been a amusing. couple, a couple big leaguers who go into the minor leagues and they forget that there's a pitch like for a rehab start. Like it's just not, they're not used to it. I get it. Yeah, and we're going to see a lot of that next season because these guys yeah. aren't used to that, and you'll be seeing guys scrambling back into the box like, oh, oh, God, okay, I got to go back in. Um, okay, the shift. Here's my thing with the shift. I agree with you. Guys need to learn how to bunt. They need to learn how to not hit into the shift and kind of you know go the opposite way. You know, some guys kind of oops their way into opposite yeah. field hits, um, but the shift has been around long enough where these guys should – learn how to do this. I mean, they used to shift on Jason Giambi all the time and he's been retired how long now? So um, <laughs> I think the problem that some baseball fans have with the shift is that it's constant now. Like teams are constantly yeah. moving the fielders, but that's a strategy and it's a exactly. game. And- it's a strategy and baseball yeah. is about strategy. And I, I just, I mean, I get, look, I get it. I've talked to a lot of players who hate the shift. I've talked to a lot of, you know, outfielders 
who hate the way that they're positioned sometimes and infielders who hate that there's like, you know, four guys standing on the second baseline, basically. It's like, but at the same time, like, I just don't understand. Um, there's, you don't see other leagues banning things that like taking actively taking away strategic maneuvering. Right. Like you don't see football eliminating the wildcat or something like that. Right. You know, like I'm trying to think of something comparable. I just, that's banning. I, I know people hate the shift, but to me, it just doesn't make sense to have a rule that actively like takes away strategic maneuvering. Right. Um, I think, all right. From what this says, and this is kind of understandable because, you know, the league hates that the batting average is down so mm -hmm. far and that more guys are striking out. And, you know, they're, when you see a guy hit into the shift, you think to yourself, you know, if the shift wasn't on, that would have been a base hit and how many times that happens. And uh, heading into last night, the league batting average was 243. And it said, while a de decent portion of that lag from high batting average seasons is strikeouts, the batting average on balls in play is 290. It was 300 back in 2000. The line of thinking goes that if defenses shift less, defenses, why did I say that's so weird? More, more balls will find open spots leading to a higher batting average on balls in play and more action on the field. Upon release of each pitch, there must be a minimum of four defenders other than the battery with both feet within the outer boundary of the infield dirt. Upon release of the pitch, there must be two of the four infielders on each side of second base. The team must designate two infielders for each side of second base, and they cannot switch. For example, a team cannot have a stud defender move back and forth based upon the handedness of the hitter. Because, you know, sometimes teams will do that. Um... I don't, I think banning shifts is dumb. I do think that maybe there could be, I don't know if they could limit it to a certain yeah, number in an know. inning, but I don't know. Just like there's, but there are ways to get around the shift. Right. And there's some hitters that like, look, their entire career has sort of been destroyed by the shift. Yeah. But like, you, at the same time, like you have to figure out, elite athletes figure out how to adapt. Yeah. You know, like I'm trying, I just keep trying to think of like something comparable in another sport that they have like actively eliminated and not right. for safety reasons, because there's been right. things that have been eliminated in hockey football for safety reasons because of concussions and things like that. Right. I, but I can't think of something that has just been a, like a strategic, that has just been eliminated because people don't like it. Right. <laughs> like, Right. Yeah. You know? it's, it's kind of strange for that to be, because that really is the reason it's like, Hey, these guys don't like the shift. So we're going to get rid of it. It's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> not, it's not a safety reason. It's just that people don't like it. And I look, we do want to see more fans want to see more action. Right. Right. If you talk to most casual baseball fans, because I know the diehard baseball fans are going to say, who cares what they think? Like, a no hitter used to be such a rare thing. And it still is like a kind of a cool thing to see in person. I've seen two of them in person. I saw Matt Cain pitch a perfect game. Um, I took my dad for father's day and I'm never going to be able to top that father's day present, man. Like I set the bar way too high with that one. Yeah. Um, so it is a really cool thing to like see and be a part of, but now it feels like they're happening 
all the time. We saw how many of them last year, like in the first half of last season. And then almost no hitters. Like you're constantly seeing no hitter yeah. alerts now into the sixth and seventh inning. And then they ultimately get broken up. But yeah, yeah. it's, it's But not if you talk to a lot of casual baseball fans, they're more likely to say, oh, I went to a game last week and it was so exciting because there was like a ton of home runs and there was like guys stealing bases and there was, you know, awesome defensive plays. Like they want to see a lot of action and no hitters are really fun because sometimes there are really great defensive plays, but in the grand scheme of things, there isn't a ton of action. Baseball still has to cater to the casual fans. Every sport still has to cater to the casual fans because the goal is to get them to cross over from casual to uh, maybe not necessarily like a diehard, but a fan who's watching every single night or who's watching, you know, four or five nights a week and who's going to a lot of games and keeping up with their favorite players and actively, you know, engaging and spending money. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Let's be honest here. We need the baseball. Every sport needs their fans to spend money to keep these things going. Um, but I, I just, I get that the offense is down. We do need the offense to come back up a little bit. You know, hitters' careers are on the line here. I don't know that banning the shift is the way to do it, though. It just seems like a Band-Aid for some hitters. Not all of them, though. And it's a Band-Aid for – it's it's addressing a symptom, not the disease, you right. know? Um, and it's just it just seems silly. I understand people hate the shift. A lot of hitters hate the shift. People in – like. I've talked to a lot of guys within baseball. It's not just fans who hate the shift. It's still, but the, like the fundamental banning something because you hate it. That's still like strategic. I, I just don't, I don't know. It just doesn't, it, it, I can't quite connect the dots, I guess. Right. Maybe I'll change my mind. Look, I, I've been known to do that after talking to more people in baseball. And it's an issue. It's like something I haven't, I haven't brought up recently with any players it's something that i talked about probably let's see i wrote a story on this when i was covering the angels in 2014 because albert pujols was hitting into the shift quite a bit and getting shifted on quite a bit so i wrote about this back in 2014. i haven't really talked about it with a lot of guys like since that at least not extensively i've talked about it with them in passing so maybe if i have some more in-depth conversations i can change my mind but for now it I just the, the fundamental issue of banning something that is like eliminating some strategy from the game just because people don't like it. Just I, I don't for now, I don't get it, but I would like to look into it a little bit further. Right. And then the last thing, the bases are going to be bigger. And I love this. OK, the bases have been 15 inches square on each side for decades, and the size will increase to 18 inches on each side. There are a list of reasons for the change among them that players' feet are much bigger now than when they were when the bases were designed. Of course, because all these big, giant dudes because, who were over yeah. six feet, over six five with, the, I mean, yeah. Because <laughs> the average size of the player has probably increased. Like, all of a sudden, like, you know, the, I remember the Mets rotation when I covered them in 2017 was like, the average size was like six two. Yeah, yeah. Like, I always say this, I wish there was a way to bring someone like Phil Rizzuto back because he's been gone 15 years now. And for him to see these giants, like, yeah. it, could you imagine him seeing O'Neill Cruz at shortstop? <laughs> Rizzuto would, I, he would die again. You know, like, it would just be like, 
Oh my God. Um, so, like 5'10. He's still an anomaly on the mound. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, you know, Stroman's small. Because Marcus Stroman's yeah, small. Yeah. Stroman also. I mean, he's built, but he's he's like my height. He's 5'9. Well, all right. When, Garcia, when they say the guy's he's, five he's undersized. I mean, yeah. Well, he is, but like, he wouldn't have been in like, like the 80s. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so, feet are bigger now. Um, possibly increasing the action on the base paths, making it easier to steal bases or take the extra base hit on uh, base on hits, and to possibly make it easier for players to stay on second and third in close plays instead of having long replays to see if a player barely came off the bag for a split second. So that's another thing that they're trying to um, eliminate. And that makes sense. All right, so... What's coming up next? Oh, yes, the Yankees playing the Rays this weekend. It's a very important series. Crucial series. Yeah, and also, Derek Jeter's returning to Yankee Stadium tonight. He's going to be honored with a ceremony about his Hall of Fame election. Um, And we'll talk about that in a second. But first, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. So the Yankees and the Rays. Bobblehead ready? I know it's all the way across my room. I was going to, if you're not watching on YouTube, I was going to hold up a Derek Jeter bobblehead. I also have one of those um, commemorative cups that kind of change when you turn it and it's Derek Jeter swinging the bat. And it's kind of cool. I have that also. Um, I have a whole shelf of bobbleheads and one day I will make it my background. But the funniest thing about all those bobbleheads is they don't look like they don't look anything like the players they're supposed to be. Cause I used to have these on my desk at NBC. And one of my coworkers was like, wait, who's that supposed to be? I'm like, Bernie Williams. They're like, that's not Bernie Williams. I'm like, I know it looks nothing like Bernie Williams. I never do though. Like some of the statues, the statues in front of Staples Center, like everyone loves to make fun of them because it looks like people just like coming out of the mud. And, and also they're just adding so many statues in front of Staples Center that I think it's becoming like comical at this point. And like, you, like you have to just keep adding statues of people that don't actually look like themselves. The Chick Hearn statue is good. I'll say that the Chick Hearn statue is good, but some of these other ones, just a lot of, it's a lot of statues that don't necessarily look. Gretzky's is okay. Maybe it's just yeah. the basketball ones that aren't good. Yeah, yeah. My favorite thing of all time that I found out this year because of uh, when I was preparing for my trip to Toronto that never happened. Apparently. They have a statue of, I think his name's Ted Rogers, you know, Rogers Center. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't have any statues of any famous Blue Jay players out in front of Rogers Center. So uh, Torontonians don't, do not like that at all. So Jeter will be at the stadium tonight. They're honoring him. And he put up a very cute video of himself in the car with his wife and daughters. And 
they were asking the girls questions about, you know, what are you going to do at the stadium? Are you are you excited to go to the stadium? And what are you going to eat? And the girls answered hot dogs and ice cream. And I think it was the oldest daughter going from how the voice sounded because it sounded more like a five-year-old speaking instead of a three-year-old. And um, Jeter's wife was saying, yeah, we know how much you love hot dogs and this and that. And then at one point he said, you know, are you going to come on the field with me? And she said something like, you know, daddy, I'm afraid I'm going to, you know, you know, you broke your leg and I'm afraid I'm going to break my leg like you did. And he's like, oh, no, don't worry about that. And I just thought that was so funny because um, she was nowhere near being born when Derek Jeter broke his leg in 2020, uh, 2012. So it was just really funny to me that they know this about his career and that he's probably showed them highlights now, especially with that documentary and stuff. And I just think it's, adorable that they now are going to realize how much people love their father. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be, well, I, I think it'll, as they grow up too, it's going to like impress on them. Just, it, it's tough because he's not playing anymore, but like yeah. they will, they'll, they'll come to realize just how much their dad meant to New York and how much yeah. their dad meant to baseball. Yeah. Um, oh, speaking of tonight, the Jeter ceremony will be on. Yes. From six to, they're gonna cover it from six to seven. It's not gonna be that long. And then the game itself is on Amazon, which I know angers a lot of people, but that's it's it's on Amazon. So watch the ceremony on Yes, and then watch the game on Amazon. Now we're not gonna go into a full preview of this series, but we'll talk about the importance of it. This is the last head-to-head series between the Yankees and the Rays. And if the Yankees would like to have a bigger distance between them and the Rays, they need to win at least two out of three in the series to make it. So, um, as I said on yesterday's show, even though the Yankees lost two out of three to the Rays last weekend, the last two games were close because we spoke about it earlier in the show. They were one run. It was a one run loss, 2-1, and then they won 2-1. And it wasn't like, I didn't feel as if the Yankees were completely outmatched in the series because I've had that feeling in other series of late. Um, So I actually have a semi-positive feeling going into the series, and I feel like the Yankees can win two out of three against the Rays. Now that I said that, they probably won't, but that's the feeling I have. So um, (laughs) we'll see what happens with that. Okay. I know. It's, it's so famous last words. Oh God. You guys can all blame me on Monday if things don't work out this weekend. Um, but let's see, wait, the, um, I haven't even looked at the standings because I just, Yankees are four and a half games ahead of okay. the Rays. All right. So, you know, six games ahead of the Jays. All right. So they're still, they're, they're, that's in good shape. Um, you know, yes, they can blow the division and yes, they can blow that lead very easily, but it's, it's better than being a half game up from second place. And that's, um, I, I love how no one in New York is talking about that, by the way, everyone was paying more attention to the Yankees and then not realizing, Oh wait, the Mets are very close to blowing the division. And, yeah. uh, someone, Oh, Ben K back of river Avenue blues joked. He's like, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, everyone was like, Ooh, it's going to be a subway series this year. And now it's like, Oh God, both teams are collapsing. Oh no. <laughs> Well, I don't think the Mets are. The Mets lost three in a row. I don't know that they're necessarily collapsing. Yeah. Um, you know, they they did have some luck against Pitt. They beat Pittsburgh pretty good. Um, yeah. I, I was that, surprised they, about the national. I was surprised about the nationals. The nationals yeah. Yeah. I, um, they, I wasn't they really did, paying attention, but. 
they do have to sort of both of these New York teams need to start beating up on some lesser opponents. Yes. Because uh, the Mets had a really good showing against the Dodgers. Yeah. Both of these right. teams need to start beating the teams that they need to beat. So, right. you know, this is, we've talked about it yesterday. It's going to be a really crucial series against the Rays, but then the Yankees absolutely need, they need that series against Boston. Yep. Yep. And they need to beat up on Boston and Pittsburgh. And uh, yeah, they've got to beat up. I on mean, the, Milwaukee, 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 Milwaukee's probably realistically Milwaukee's probably dead. Yeah. So they've got to get some wins against these lesser teams. Yep. As I said yesterday, just win series. That's all you need to do. You don't have to sweep everyone. You, you just have to come out and play well. And yeah, the Mets kind of fall into the same trap as the Yankees. Now they didn't against Pittsburgh, but they did against the Nationals where it's not like they, it's not exactly like they played down to the competition, but they have that propensity toward not doing what they need to do when they need to do it against bad teams. And that's just a trap that both of these teams seem to fall into. So yeah, Yankees, Rays, this weekend, very important, and we'll see on Monday how that goes. But for now, that's it for this episode of Locked On Yankees, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Remember, you can listen to this show in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch and subscribe to us on YouTube. Again, thumbs up if you like the video comment and click on the bell so you know when our videos go up and if you're looking for something else to listen to after you listen to us go check out the ultimate pro football preview 2022 it's an eight episode extravaganza to get you ready for the nfl season the local team experts of the locked on podcast network plus a betting angle from lee sterling of locked on bets combines into one ultimate nfl preview search for ultimate pro football preview 2022 on your odyssey app youtube or wherever you get your podcasts one more thing if you could be so kind please rate the podcast and spread the word about this podcast to your fellow yankee fans we would really appreciate it so enjoy your weekend go yankees and we'll talk to you on monday 